Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And today, we explore why taking small steps of faith can lead you to places you never thought possible. Stay tuned. Welcome back. And like we said before, we're talking about faith today and steps of faith. And Pastor Lisa is going to lead us through a moment in the Gospel of John where small steps of faith uh, actually led to a very significant moment in the life of Peter. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of wondering as we kind of unpack and, and get ready for that, um, where in your life have you found like just moments of small steps of faith that have kind of led you into opportunities or things that you just never thought were even possible? Yeah, like just when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind is like many years back um, where I had had a plan of what I was going to do post-graduation. And uh, over that year, it was just this moment of like feeling very unfulfilled, very empty, just very like confused about my, my future. And so once I decided to like kind of pursue God and invite him into that conversation. Uh, there was a leap of faith that I had to take to like change my plans and pursue what God had for me, which was pastoral ministry. Um, and, and it felt like a colossal leap to get to that moment. Um, but once I made that, that step of faith, there was like this great sense of fulfillment and purpose and just um, excitement for the future. And so I think like what is a like that was years ago. And so I think those small steps of faith is what has accumulated in my life up until this point. Yeah. Uh, where I see the fulfillment of what God had called me to all those years back. Yeah. And I, I have to say too, you, you spoke of those steps of faith leading into like a, a renewed excitement and hmm. passion and vigor. Uh, sometimes those small steps of faith can lead you into the opposite of that. Uh, right. Things of fear and doubt and uncertainty. Yeah. And so no matter our journey, I know for me, there's moments where a calling or uh, God revealing the next step set before me led actually less to excitement mm -hmm. and more to fear and doubt and having right. to wrestle through those moments. And we're going to see all of that kind of transpire in our story today yeah, as, as Pastor Lisa unpacks. So without further ado, we're going to turn it over to Pastor Lisa. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. What is the worst storm that you have lived through, that you've actually personally experienced? I'm curious and I would love to know in the comments. Well, for the Mitchell family, two come to mind. The first one is a tornado that uh, the funnel cloud passed over us as we hunkered in the cellar of one of the restaurants at Heritage Park. And so it was really scary. It was a terrifying experience that it really wasn't that bad. The tornado didn't do much damage. Um, and like I said, it just passed over us. The second was a really bad winter storm when we lived in Surrey and the storm was brutal. It uprooted uh, like mature established trees. It knocked out the power to the city for three days and it was a terrible storm, but it really wasn't that scary. I actually love a good storm. The prairie girl in me loves lightning storms and I really miss those flashes of lightning that would illuminate the entire prairie sky because you know in the prairie you can see for miles and miles. And while I love a good storm, there's still something about a storm that just makes us feel 
maybe a little small. It reminds us of our vulnerability, <laughs> that we are only human. We do not have superpowers. We are at the mercy often of a storm. And I want to go with you today to this narrative of a storm that's following right on the heels of the message last week. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and while you're flipping there, uh, put a finger or a bookmark in Matthew 14, because we're going to flip back there in just a second. If you don't have a Bible, you can head over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and we would love to get you one there. There are some links to digital Bibles or a form to fill out for a paper Bible, but regardless, we're going to head over to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Well, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the winters, the waters, not winters, grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now this is a really cool moment in this narrative of Jesus's life that's being recorded for us. Uh, but John is kind of sandwiching it between two things that he feels are of greater importance. This moment where Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes and on the other side of the lake in Capernaum where he kind of continues this teaching on how he's the bread of life. And I don't want to steal anything from next week. So there are really important things happening on either side of this moment in the storm. Very important teaching. Um, and so in order to fast forward from this moment to this moment, John just kind of skims the surface of this account of Jesus walking on water. And that's why I asked you to put your finger in Matthew chapter 14, because we're going to go over to that gospel. Different author, so highlighting a few different things from the exact same moment in Jesus's life. And so Matthew gives us a few details that John left out again because he wants to focus on what's coming right after this moment. And this is the great thing about the Gospels. As long as we're sure it's the same account, we can use one Gospel to fill in some of the gaps on another and round out the story. We do this um, with the crucifixion narrative too. Each of the authors kind of highlight different key things that happened on that day. So Matthew 14 verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to, by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When they, the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. 
Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us these moments in your life and the lives of those surrounding you, that we would learn more about you and about who we are in you. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, would you guide us into all truth? Would you allow your words to go forth? Would you allow my own to fade away? That we would um, really come to grips with who you are and be convinced that where you are is worth the risk of the waves. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Well, I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment. They have just had a long, hard day, and they are going to set out um, across the lake. And they're setting out across the lake because in light of this miracle and in light of Jesus' teaching, the crowd has decided they want to crown him king. But that is not part of Jesus' plan. He doesn't want to be king for some people for a short amount of time. He wants to be king for all people for all time. He wants to establish the kingdom that will never end. And so he disappears up the mountain and he tells the disciples to go on ahead of him to Capernaum and he's going to meet them there. But we know some of the background of these disciples. Some of them are fishermen. They were tradesmen. They had grown up on boats <laughs> pulling in these, um, these hauls of fish, is that even how you say it, for their entire lives. These are not inexperienced sailors. These are experienced men who know what they're doing. It's not as if I got onto a sailboat and all of a sudden a storm comes up when I'm four miles out into a lake, or in this case a lake, but out onto the sea. Like I would have no idea what I'm doing. There'd be no way for me to navigate to the safety of shore and I would be terrified because of my inexperience. But these are experienced fishermen and still they're being buffeted by the storm. They know how to navigate to safety. They know what to do in this circumstance and it's making zero difference. They're struggling. But who sees them in their time of need? Jesus. And Jesus doesn't yell at them uh, from the safety of shore like he did when he told them to throw the nets on the other side. He doesn't help, yell helpful advice at them. He doesn't just encourage them to row a little harder to the safety of shore. No, he goes to them in their time of need. And friends, the same is true of us. When we are in need, Jesus sees us and he comes towards us. He doesn't wait for those that help themselves. As the old saying would go, the Lord helps those who help themselves. He doesn't yell helpful advice at us. He doesn't tell us to get a little closer or try a little harder. He comes towards us in our time of need. And when we ask for his help, he's faithful to provide it. And so Jesus walks on water towards these disciples and they have the absolute only reaction they should have. They're terrified. I can't imagine in the middle of a storm when you're exhausted from wrestling against these waves and then all of a sudden someone's walking on water. Uh, what else are you supposed to be, right? Only terrified except for Peter 
spontaneous and zealous and excitable <laughs> Peter. He is the odd one out. Everyone's terrified and what does Peter do? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Friends, that is not my go-to response in a storm. When I am in the middle of a storm and Jesus comes walking towards me, I want to be like, God, is that you? Are you sure it's you? Can you answer this skill testing question? Can you provide a sign, some sort of proof that it's you? Before I step out of this boat, can you just write it in the stars? Like, Lisa, this is me. And I just don't often have that same level of faith that Peter does. Peter, with no proof, without any like skill testing questions to prove it's Jesus, he just acts. Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. And Peter can get a bad reputation in this narrative. I mean, he is the one who sinks in the water. We know that. But friends, Peter's the only one who got out of the boat. Peter knew that the risk of getting out of the boat was worth it. He knew that the storm was no match for his God. So rather than riding it out in the safety and the comfort of the boat, he trusted God and stepped out onto the waves with no safety net, with no idea of what was waiting for him. He just acted in faith. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Are there points where you've stopped risking in your life? I know that it's so easy and there are so many places where I'm just tempted to ride out the waves, ride out the storm in the safety and the comfort of my boat. But in the safety and comfort of my boat, I don't get to participate in the miracle of walking on water. From the safety of my boat, I am a, an observer and not an active participant of what God is doing in my life and in the world around me. It's only when I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone, when I'm, when I'm willing to defy what my brain and, and culture would say is logical, is safe, is, is self-preservation, only when I'm ready to defy that can I put my faith into practice. And just like Peter, we have to weigh, is God worth the risk? Is it worth the risk to get out of the boat to be where Jesus is? Or do we just want to wait in our safety and our comfort? And friends, I know that God is calling you to something. He's calling every single one of us to something. As long as there's breath in our lungs, we are supposed to be active participants in his plans and purpose for the world. Now what he's called you to do might be different than what he's called someone else to do. And so we don't, we don't compare and contrast and go, well, my thing doesn't seem risky enough. <laughs> it doesn't feel stormy enough. No, that's not the point. The point is when God calls you to step out of the boat onto the waves, regardless of what that is, are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to look 
at what looks terrifying and say it's worth the risk to be where Jesus is. It's worth the risk to be obedient. It's worth the risk to be faithful. Are you willing to leave the safety of the boat and step out onto the waves? And I'm sure for Peter, that first step was exhilarating. I mean, it always is. Think back to all of the times that you've said yes to God and you step out in faith and you step out in obedience and you don't even know if there's going to be ground there for your foot to land on and it does. And it is so exciting and God is so faithful and it's exhilarating. And it's exhilarating for Peter for a moment. And I don't know what it was that caught his eye. I'm, I'm curious. You know those moments where it would be amazing to be part of the crowd, to be, be part, like, physically there in the narrative of the gospel and, and see what, what they're writing about? And I wonder what it was that caught his eye. I mean, maybe it was that a wave splashed onto his face and the coldness of the water kind of alerted him that, wait, maybe this is scarier than I thought or... Maybe it was the wind as it went howling across the surface of the lake. Or maybe it was just that his body was bobbing up and down in the waves. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm going to be sick. Who knows what it was. But whatever it was, something caught Peter's eyes. And again, he gets a bad reputation from this moment in a storm. But we're going to put ourselves in Peter's shoes. We put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. Let's put ourselves in Peter's shoes. And if you need help visualizing, go ahead and just close your eyes. But I want you to visualize the storm. Here you are. In the middle of the storm, the sky is that inky black where you can only see so far ahead of you. And it's dark and you can't see shore, but you can hear the creak of the boat as it's being tossed to and fro on your left. And you can feel the wind, like it is pushing against you, that with every step you feel like you're leaning into it just to make forward momentum, and it's cold. And you can hear the howl as it seems to scream at you that it is not safe here. And as the waves crash up, you can feel that salt spray in your face and the tightness in your chest keeps getting tighter and the terror in your stomach just keeps getting more intense. And we don't know, maybe Peter closed his eyes to avoid the splash of a wave or maybe there was a crest that just caught white in his peripheral vision, but all of a sudden that exciting, exhilarating moment where he stepped out of the boat and landed on solid ground in the middle of the lake is turning to terrifying reality that you are defying all logic. And it starts to sink in that this isn't normal and you shouldn't be walking on top of waves. And all of a sudden you start to just question, God, are you going to be able to keep this up long enough? Are you really going to be able to keep me safe? What on earth was I thinking by saying yes and stepping out of the boat? And all of a sudden that faith that led you to take that first exhilarating step starts to sink into the depths of the ocean along with your faith. And I can't tell you how often I've stepped out in faith only to quickly realize that I am in over my head. And those 
doubts and fears start to pull me down. And that risk or action that was so exhilarating because I knew that there was no way that I could do this quickly turned into a place where I'm paralyzed to even act because I know that the moment I move, I could potentially fall apart. And as I was kind of mauling this sermon over, I just kind of felt God saying, well, isn't that the point? Not the fear and doubt part, but isn't that the point, Lisa? You see, if Peter had gotten out of the boat at any other time throughout his entire life, Peter would have gone for a swim. There's only one time where Peter would have been able to walk on water and it wasn't because it was Peter's miracle, it's because it was Jesus's miracle. It's because Peter was gonna do something in the presence of Jesus. So it wasn't actually about Peter, it wasn't his miracle, it was Jesus's and he was along for the ride. And I can jump into what God's calling me to do with both feet and it's exciting and it's new and there's this closeness with God that comes when we're in this exhilarating moment of obedience and saying yes and then and then there's something in my periphery, that, that wave that crests and I catch the white, I catch the crisis, I catch the doubt, or maybe it's, it's just self-doubt. Like I don't have what it takes and it sprays me full in the face or the, there's the tiredness because we're human. The tiredness that catches up when we are busy chasing after all that God has for us and all of a sudden it's not exhilarating, it's terrifying. And I start to wonder, why did I say yes? And I begin to transfer my gaze from the steadfastness of God to the temperamental of life. And I question why I ever got out of the boat. But the point is that I can't walk on water without Jesus. The point is that I can't. I can't keep up. I am out of my depth. I am completely at his mercy. That's the point. Not that I look around and it's easy, that it's something I can do in my own strength. No, the point is that I can't. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And he does. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, faith requires us to step into the unknown. It means entering what can be dangerous. This whole life of faith, it's not safe. And we have to be okay and willing when God calls us to act in obedience, to exit the safety of the boat for the uncertainty of the waves because the miracle isn't ours and the miracle is not tied to our strength or our ability or our personality or our talents or our finances or our experience. It's not tied to any of that. The miracle isn't ours. God didn't look at the disciples on the boat and go, hmm, Peter, uh, you look like you're the lightest one. You're going to be able to float best. Why don't you step down? No, 
It was that Peter looked out that Jesus wasn't in the boat. Jesus was on the waves and he knew that it was worth the risk to be where Jesus was, even if it meant facing uncertainty and danger and death. He wanted to be where Jesus was so bad that he got out of the comfort and the safety of the boat. And Peter's faith prompted him to go where Jesus was. It was Jesus's miracle. And Peter was along for the ride, not the other way around. And when he forgot that, when his eyes stopped being fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, but got swung to the temporary, when it got swung to the danger around him, when he stopped focusing on Jesus's enough and started focusing on his lack, like I'm not actually supposed to walk on water, when he stopped focusing on Jesus's peace and started focusing on his fears, then he started to focus on his doubts, that's when he sank. And the point isn't that Jesus calls us to small victories that we can do on our own, where we can take the accolades and the pats on the back. The point is that Jesus step, calls us to step out in obedience into situations and circumstances that we have no business being in, that are absolutely impossible to have victory in unless he's there, unless he moves. Because the point was that when they got into the boat, no one looked at Peter and said, well done. Who knew you could walk on water? No, who got the glory? Jesus, because it wasn't Peter's miracle, it was Jesus's. And so the next time that we're tempted to say no to God because we don't have what it takes, think about Gideon, think about Moses, think about Peter, that's the point. That's the point, you don't have enough energy. You are not healthy enough. You don't have enough finances. You don't have enough experience. Your personality really is not charismatic enough to influence the kingdom of God without the king. He's not asking us to be. He's just asking us to be obedient that when he says, come, we put our foot over the edge of the boat and we step in faith. I don't know where God's calling you, but I know it's somewhere because that's what our God is like. He doesn't call us to live passive observational lives from the safety and comfort of boats. He asks us to live active lives, to be participants in what he's doing in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, in our world. He's a gracious God that he allows us to participate with him in the miracle of him changing hearts and lives. He's looking for people like Peter who will say, God, as soon as you say the word, I'm there. As soon as you say, come, I'm not hesitating. Speak, I'm listening. I'm going to be where you are because it's worth the risk and it doesn't matter if you're two or a hundred or two get out of the boat because God didn't call us to live passive comfortable lives in the safety of boats he called us to be active participants and he's invited us out on the waves to step into what we can't do without him because it's not our miracle it's his so we look out at the storm and we think there's no way there's no way. 
take a deep breath and step anyway. Because that's the point. That's the point. And in those moments where we're in that, we're saying yes and we're just full speed ahead and something catches our vision and it tilts our eyes from Jesus and we start to feel ourselves sinking. Friends, he's there. He's ready to get right back into our view. He's ready to stretch out his hand to save us and he will always come through because it's his miracle. It's his miracle. He's not going to let us fail. He's not going to let us drown in the middle of his miracle. And then when our feet are back on that solid ground, when our feet are back on firm foundation, we won't have any temptation to take the glory, to take the credit. We'll know. We'll know who deserves it. We'll know whose miracle it is. So where has God been calling you? What wave do you need to step into? I don't know what that is for you, but I know that it's something. And if you've been holding back because the storm, the mission that God's been calling you to, what he's been putting on your heart is too terrifying and it's too big. Friends, that's the point. That's the point. Say yes anyway. Step out in faith anyway. Because he's going to be with you every step of the way. I want to give you a little bit of homework this morning. I want to ask you to just put it in your day or put it in this week that after you log off of this stream that you plan out some quiet time with God. I want you to get really honest and vulnerable before him. I know that you know what God's been asking you to do. <laughs> I know that you know where God has been saying, are you ready to be obedient? Will you say yes? And if like me, that seems terrifying, it's okay to say that. Say, God, I know that this is what you've been pressing on my heart. I know that this is what you've been asking me to do, but I am so scared. And these are all of the limitations that I see. Would you help me? Would you grow my faith? Would you strengthen my resolve that where you are is worth the risk of the waves? And in that moment, I want to ask you to be brave enough to commit your yes to Jesus, even in spite of the fear. Saying yes to God is always worth it. Maybe you are. Maybe you've said yes. And like Peter, now you find yourself caught looking at the waves and you've forgotten to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And you feel like you're drowning in it. Well, then I want you to have a different honest and real conversation. Would you ask God to reveal to you in the perfect way that your, your spirit recognizes that he is still there? That he is enough. Would you ask him to remind you that the miracle isn't on your shoulders? It's not yours, it's his. And in the middle of your doubt and fear, ask him once again to speak peace. To confirm once again that he's called you to this for such time. And would your 
real and honest conversation, be lifting your gaze once again to fix it on Jesus so that he can put your feet back on solid ground. But friends, let's be people who know that it's worth the risk to go where Jesus is. Let's be people who get out of boats. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you, you know our weaknesses and our failings. You know what we're capable of. I thank you that you have promised that your strength is made perfect in our weakness because you come alongside what you've already created us to be as good as that is. You come alongside and you put yourself over us. You fill in all of the places where we're not enough with your enough. You give us courage in our fear and certainty and peace in our doubt. You give us words when we have none, creativity when we're out of ideas. Because it's your miracle and you have a plan. And so this morning, would you help us to trust you, to courageously step out of boats, to say yes to where you're leading, that we could be active participants that see, not just hear stories, but see the movement of God in our generation, in our families, in our communities, in our cities, in this country, as we step out boldly in faith, would you help us to see, because we're active participants, the healing that your hope and love and presence makes. We love you. In your precious name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm gonna pass you back to Pastor Lucas and Pastor Marcus. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lisa, and just leading us in, in knowing that whether big or small, uh, whatever the risk may be, that it is always worth it when we walk with Jesus. Well, we have just a couple announcements for you today. Yeah, so preteens, we're so excited that we are getting back together. And so July 28th at 6.30 p.m., we are gonna be doing a preteen party just for you. We're excited to be hanging out there. Pastor Marcus, myself, uh, Pastor Lisa, we're all gonna be there. And we're just looking forward to hanging out with you. So if you want to be a part of that, just register. And so myevangel.church forward slash register. Uh, just jump on there, get your, get your seat at that party. And we're excited to do that. Yeah. And the next thing is, if you haven't heard yet, camp is back at Nanus Bay. Mm -hmm. And we're so excited for what August will be, uh, where there are three camps. Uh, that we're running alongside of other churches in the area. And so if you want to register your child, your preteen, or your high school student for one of those camps, they actually just reopened a couple of spots in each one of those camps. And so they are limited. If you go to newspaycamp.ca, there will be all the information that you need to register your child, your preteen, or your student. Um, but if you want to volunteer as well, we would really love your help. Now, kids is already full of volunteers, but mids and highs uh, are still in need of, of counselors, of sports staff, um, of 
kitchen staff and the various other volunteer positions. So if you have a gifting for that, if you are wanting to serve somewhere this summer, would you consider a new Spay Camp? It would be a transformational experience for you and for the students that you come into counter with. Yeah, and if you're worried about not knowing somebody there as a volunteer, uh, Pastor Marcus and Pastor Lisa will be at Mids Camp. Yeah. And I'll be at Highs Camp along with Pastor Marcus. Yep. So you'll, you'll have some friendly faces there as well. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for your generosity as we continue to do ministry here locally in Powell River, but also around the world with partnerships with our global partners yeah. and other ministries that are happening. And so we just invite you to uh, just visit myevangel.church.org to learn more about how you can partner with us in that mission of uh, bringing Jesus to the world. And so thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And for those of you who don't know, maybe, uh, we are in person. We are. And so 10 o'clock each Sunday, you don't need to register. And so we just invite you to come hang out with us. We'd love to meet you in person. God bless everyone.